uh, about this time, we got some folks hopefully tuning in by means of the live stream. We want to uh, uh, welcome you uh, who tune in, and uh, I want to um, tell those that are here tonight, I apologize, but I just did not have time to go up top and work on a uh, visual presentation. Uh, I parked my bus and drove straight over here. I, I stopped to get gas, but uh, and I was working uh, the whole time and uh, barely got finished uh, in time to come in here from my office. I just didn't have time. I've got uh, Kessie up top, though, and she's going to kind of help out a little bit by uh, bringing up some scriptures on the screen that we will be turning to. And uh, that will give you some advantage there. We are uh, in the midst of studying, understanding the authority of God. Uh, understanding the authority of God. And uh, last week, uh, the uh, second part, uh, we talked about uh, authority in the government. And if you remember, we um, covered uh, all of that. And tonight... We're going to be talking about authority in the church. And I already know that I'm not going to be able to finish this part tonight. I will do part of it this evening, and we will maybe hopefully finish up the other part next Wednesday night. But uh, we're going to talk about authority in the church. And I think about the words of the Apostle Paul one time as he was leaving uh, a church, he had been there ministering to them, training them and setting the church up, I guess two years or better, maybe uh remember exactly how long. And he told them, he said, I have not failed to declare unto you the whole counsel of God. And uh, as, a, as a minister, as a pastor, I try the best of my ability to cover everything in the Word of God as it pertains of what you need to help you to help a church. But I will admit to you uh, tonight that what I'm going to start talking about tonight, I have not covered it like I should have. And I've not stressed the points and uh, brought it home like I should and I hope not, but it's a possibility that the, the congregation and different ones may have, um, their spiritual growth may have been studied because of it. But the reason why I haven't really got down into it, I, I'm the type of man, you know, I, I don't want to bring out something where I think in my mind, say, well, people say, well, he's he's just talking about him, uh, and he's uh, trying to lift himself up. Uh, but we need to understand that what we're going to be covering, uh, talking about the authority of God in the church, is we're not going to be talking about people, but about position. 
It's not about lifting up a man or woman, but it's about the position of authority that God has placed in the church. And so uh, I, I want to stress that tonight. And nothing of what I will be saying or bringing out, I am doing it intentionally for to try and uh, to magnify myself, but I want to bring out and I want everybody to get an understanding of what the scripture says about the authority in the church. Now, biblically, the church is described in various ways. Now, on one hand, we observe that the local church is a living organism. You can look at the church as a living organism, an expression of the body of Christ to procreate and increase in this earth. Just like any living organism, its survival depends on procreation. Amen. And, I mean, the human race depends on procreation. And uh, all the an animal life depends on procreation. I mean, that, that, that's why... Uh, uh, that's why Steve and Bill getting together don't do no good in the Bible, and they're doing no good in life. Hallelujah. Amen. But the church uh, is a living organism expressed of the body of Christ who procreate and increase in this earth. But on the other hand, we know that the church is an organization set up by Christ and regulated by the guidelines commanded throughout the Scriptures. As a divinely commissioned organization, God has ordained leadership to spur growth, promote purity, outreach, and equip the saints for the evangelization evangelization of the whole world. So, the church is also an organization. Uh, and they are people who like to kind of overlook that aspect of it. But it is an organization. And it's an organization, the structure of it by which has been organized by God. And I will tell you this. It doesn't make no difference what kind of talent you got in a congregation. If the church is not organized correctly, it's not going to function properly. Amen. It needs to be organized correctly. Church government now is not something most Christians think about. Amen. I mean, it's... Most Christians do not think uh, much about uh, church government. And of course, when I say church government, I'm talking about church authority. The same, uh, they're synonymous terms. Well, maybe I could be wrong. In fact, it might be possible that everybody here woke up last night thinking, I've got to find out more about church government. 
Not likely. <laughs> I don't think nobody here woke up this morning saying, what can I find out about church government today? So you see, it's not something that's foremost in our minds. Amen. Uh, church government is like, let me, let me put it this way, being a, uh, as a, a former auto mechanic where I used to do it uh, for a living at one time, uh, church government is like a piston in a car engine. Maybe you know that it's important, but you don't give it a second thought. When you go out and get in your car and head off down the road, you ain't going to say, well, I wonder how many pistons this engine's got. <laughs> I, have, I have had some, heard some husbands get upset when they talk to the wives. says, all you think about doing is pressing the gas. You don't ever stop, think about stopping a pump and filling up. <laughs> There's only certain things you think about. <laughs> Amen. Uh, but church government, so church government's kind of like a, uh, a piston in the car engine. You, you know it's important, but you don't give it a, a second thought. Yet, if that piston <laughs> threw a rod or got messed up in some kind of way, I guarantee you'd notice it mighty quickly. Amen. You would notice it mighty quickly. I guarantee you that. So, now, even though you don't need to dwell a long time on church government or authority, it's not something that you have to dwell on for a long time, Yet I can think of three basic reasons why you should have a working knowledge of the function and purpose of church government and church authority. Every believer, every believer, there's more involved in church than, than coming around and just, oh, hallelujah. There's certain things that's got to transpire and work in a church before you can come here and say, oh, hallelujah. I mean, it's got to, somebody got to make sure the lights are, light bill's paid, just like you're on, in your own home. Amen. Got to make sure the water bill's paid. Got to make sure certain things are taken care of. I was talking to uh, the air-conditioned man that's working uh, on our systems, and... Uh, He's going to be coming back over this coming Saturday around 10. And we're setting up a, a scheduled service. He's going to service all of those things. It's, a, it's amazing and a miracle. God has blessed us because we still got good functioning systems, even though we haven't done anything to take care of them other than maybe change a, a filter every now and then. But... Um, Going back like the car, I mean, there's certain things you got to do regular maintenance on if you want to take care of it, you want to keep it. So, I mean, all these things, there's other things involved that's got to be done uh, to keep a church. 
Uh, and there are three basic reasons you ought to have a working knowledge of the function and purpose. The first one, and the foremost, is Christ sanctioned it in His Word. Christ sanctioned it in His Word, and it's He who delegated the authority as it pleased Him. The structure we go by is the structure that Christ put in place Himself. He said, hey, if you want to have a healthy congregation, if you want to function properly, you've got to do it this way. And how many knows every time we start to do things our way, we're getting messed up? That's the first thing, the reason why you need to have a knowledge, a working knowledge of the function and purpose of the church, because Christ is the one who sanctioned it in his word. Secondly, a sound biblical structure will make a church more likely to sustain its fitness, fitness, and fulfill her commission to make disciples of all nations. Amen. Uh, I, I get so tired sometimes hearing people say, I don't, I don't believe in organization. I don't believe in organization. So I guess, you, I, I guess you're okay with disorganization. And let me give you another term. If you don't have an organization, you got chaos, sweetheart. <laughs> And believe me, I've been in the church long enough. I know what it's like on both sides of the fence. The third and final thing, why we all ought to have a basic working knowledge of the church government, is understanding how the church is governed will help us to be more faithful to what Christ has ordained and also maintain the conviction that when we honor those Christ has placed in authority, we are honoring Him. When you honor the ones God has placed in authority, that is, that is one way that you honor Him. If you dishonor those that God has placed in authority, you're dishonoring Christ. Amen. I mean, it's just, it's just simple, simple as that. So, I will make this final statement here, then I will move on a little bit further. You know, the church business meeting is just as important for a member to be there as any other service. Now, a lot of Pentecostal churches years ago got real bad names. And unfortunately and sadly, I've seen a lot of them that would just simply run as a dictatorship. And I, 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 will, I will say that I realize, you know, I've, I've made some mistakes and uh, Maybe there's been others that could have done this or that better than me. But 
when it was seen that I was uh, going to be placed in as pastor back in 1991, uh, the first thing, the first thing that I began to do as pastor is to get the church organized because there was no organizational structure. There was no opportunity for people to have to go to a business meeting to see what's going on, to see how funds are being spent. Um, I have a conviction that if you put money into something, you got a right to know where it's going. And I've also learned this. When people feel confident and comfortable that the Lord's money has been handled properly, they're going to be more willing to give freely. Amen. So just remember, uh, next time uh, there is a business meeting, take that opportunity uh, to be there and be a part uh, because it is it is important. Okay, let's go now. I'm going to be going to Colossians chapter 1, verses 12 through 8 of the New King James Version. Everything I'll be reading is the New King James Version tonight. Colossians chapter 1, verses 12 through 8. Um, if I had uh, my visual aid put up, uh, I would have a graph up here breaking everything down of the government and authority of the church. And the first thing, the top, the top of the graph, the head. I'm not the head. The pastor's not the head of the church. The pope is not the head of the church. Some cardinal running around is not the head of the church. Jesus Christ is the head. We are the body. We're the body of Christ. And when the, when the body gets organized correctly, I mean, I'm going to have a problem. I'm going to have a problem getting around if my body gets, out, uh, gets not organized right. If, 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 if this right leg is coming out up here where my nose is, and my nose is <laughs> right here where my leg is connected, <laughs> not only am I going to look funny, I ain't going to go very far. Amen? The Bible said God has placed every member of the body uh, in as it pleased Him. He knows where everything goes. Everything in its place. And Christ is head. All right, let's read Colossians chapter 1, verses beginning at verse 12. Hallelujah. 
giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us unto the kingdom of the Son of His love. Who is the Son? Jesus, right? So from this point on, we're talking about Jesus. In whom, verse 14, in whom we have redemption through His blood, that's Jesus, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God. Man, there's... Hey, this is, I'll let you know, this is one of the scriptures I'm going to be teaching those 200 pastors in Rwanda. I'm going to stand up, I'm going to say, I want somebody to tell me what God looks like. And somebody who's been preaching for a while is going to say, well, the Bible says God's a spirit. I'm going to be like Fonzie. I'm going to say, excommundo. Amen. Because God is a spirit, he's invisible. You cannot see a spirit. But Jesus is the image. The image is what you look like. When you wake up in the morning and you go stand in front of the mirror to comb your hair or to shave, <laughs> or I stand there to put my teeth in, don't do me no good to tell that mirror you ain't doing me justice because that mirror's going to come back. All I can do is show you what's standing before me. From that point, I'm going to keep my mouth shut. And ain't gonna talk. I'm not going to say mirror, mirror on the wall. <laughs> the image is what something looks like. And the Word says that the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. Hallelujah. Glory to his name. I'm looking for the rest of my scripture. I was in a hurry. Let me finish by looking up here. I ain't got it on my... And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body. What's the body? The church. The church, and it says it. Who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things, somebody say all things. 
He, that's Christ, may have the preeminence. What's the word preeminence mean? He's over it all. He's a ruler. Ain't nobody over him. So for some of those people out there who have falsely said in the past that the pastor's the head of the church, you're teaching people wrong, sweetheart. The pastor's not the head. Christ is the head. Hallelujah. Amen. That is something that is very important for us Amen to uh, uh, to get get uh, uh, the comprehension of Christ is the head, and everything else is delegated down to and through Him. Hallelujah. Uh, Well, I am missing something that I'm supposed to have, and so we're right here at the closing hour anyway, and I, this, this would be a good point for me uh, to, um, uh, to close it down. From that point, where we're going to begin at next week, we're going to talk about uh, after, you know, Christ being head. It's his leadership, his authority, then you have what we call the five-fold uh, division of ministry in the church. And the first one, apostles. And we're going to be talking about that, apostles and prophets, those things that God has put into the church uh, next week. Hallelujah. So.